Clayco is a proud sponsor of Build St. Louis. At Clayco, it's been their culture from the very beginning to do more than just build, to create, to innovate, and to do so with a holistic, intelligent balance of art and science that's unmatched anywhere. Clayco understands that it's not about the walls they plan and the buildings they put up. It's about the people and their purpose within them every day. Clayco builds for a cure, for a scientific breakthrough, for a family that's safe and healthy, for a cleaner world, and for a better future. Clayco is a full-service, turnkey real estate, architecture, engineering, design building construction firm. Clayco delivers clients across North America the highest quality solutions on time, on budget, and above and beyond expectations. Well, welcome everyone to this episode of Build America, the nation's podcast that's capturing and sharing the very heartbeat of construction and development. I'm your host, Carrie Smith, and in this episode, we're excited to dive into the topic of robotics on the construction site, the latest and greatest in technology. And I'd like to welcome Errol Ahmed. He is the Director of Communications at Built Robotics, which is a company that's building robots and developing software to make construction equipment a autonomous and just contribute to this wonderful world of robotics on the field and beyond. Errol worked with tech companies in Silicon Valley. He helped them build and deploy their products. And his work here at Built Robotics focuses on educating audiences on the intersection between construction and autonomy. And he's helping them develop experiences to bring robotics onto their job sites and into the hands of their skilled workers. And Errol, we're really excited to welcome you and Built Robotics to this episode. Thanks for being with us on Build America. Yeah, thank you, Carrie. It's great to be on the show. Wonderful. Well, we'll just dive right into our topic of the latest and greatest in construction robotics. And I wondered if you could tell our listeners a little bit about Built Robotics and sort of the lane that your company's in with regard to construction robotics. What piece do you play in that? Built Robotics started in 2016 in San Francisco, and our mission has always been to automate construction and the equipment. We focus a lot on earth moving energy projects like solar. And we first started with small pieces of equipment, skid steers, CTLs. We did automation with those in the early years. Then we moved on to the big stuff, dozers, excavators. And what we realized in this process is that the excavator is sort of a big robotic arm, just like robotic arms revolutionize manufacturing. You know, automotive, in all sorts of industries, we see the excavator as a platform itself that will revolutionize how we build. Now, that's fascinating because I was just getting ready to ask you, which equipment on the construction site and in the project delivery process do you automate? Has construction industry, rightly so or unfairly, as sometimes doesn't have the perception of being tech forward and quick in terms of adoption of technology? It's a little bit old school or has been. But what would you say in terms of the pace that construction in general is increasing its adoption of these kind of amazing robotic technologies? Pace has increased a lot. We were at Con Expo in 2020, and we were here again in 2023. And just the explosion of companies, both the big OEMs, the established players, lots of little companies that weren't in between, building lots of solutions around autonomy, AI, technology, machine learning, robotics. It's, it's been an explosion. And I think there was this myth that construction was behind, and it was for many decades one of the least productive industries in the United States. But I think they really taken charge of this 
good and really is are really focused on building an incredible smart job site because you know we're in an era where there's a workforce shortage huge backlog of building projects and a demand for new kinds of energy and housing so we have to really change our methods to meet those demands Absolutely. Yeah. Surely things haven't slowed down at all, which is the good news. You brought up an interesting related point, I think, Errol, that would be good to put out there right out front for anyone who's thinking, hey, this is going to be an example of machines taking jobs from humans. And it really isn't. Can you kind of walk with us through how you may be an example of how it's not taking away the jobs that humans want and are skilled to do. It's doing those monotonous projects or processes. Yeah, we often call these the three Ds, dull, dirty, dangerous work. These are sort of optimized for robotics and automation, and it really frees up the labor you have, the skilled labor, to focus on higher level tasks, more complicated tasks, things that humans are really great at. And it also helps humans work in safer conditions. And I think that's what we always want. Construction is an incredibly dangerous industry, but it's also vital for everything we have in our built world, and we want to make sure skilled workers are safe, and we could have robots do a lot of that dangerous work. Oh, absolutely. Give us some kind of fun examples. I know I've interviewed you in the past, and it was about a project that McCarthy Building Companies was doing, but there's someone named Spot. And I think if I'm thinking of that right, is that the Boston Dynamics J-Bot? Explain kind of who Spot is and that he's not just your neighbor's dog. Absolutely. Spot is developed by Boston Dynamics, and it's a quadruped, a four-legged robot. And it's really an incredible advancement in robotics. I think what makes Spot so interesting is that it has a small form factor and it has really great locomotive abilities. And at Built, we've taken a different approach where we've said to ourselves, ah, we are experts at software and AI development, and we're going to build platforms on top of existing machinery for construction. So a little different approach. With Spot, you have something that's totally custom built from scratch, and it's quite a fun little, little guy to see moving. So when he's trained, what does he do specifically, let's say, if we're putting up a building? What might Spot do? You know, right now, Spot is used a lot for walking around the job site, inspecting, sending visuals back to a project team, doing surveillance, checking who's on the job site. So you can you kind of send Spot a lot of different environments and situations where people may not be able to go to or are out there at this current time. And since it has really good stability and movement control, it can kind of navigate what you can imagine is a tricky space, construction sites, lots of obstacles in those. So they use a lot, you know, they put an onboard camera and have Spot kind of walk around. Very good. What's in another, as long as we were talking about specific robots, maybe one that you've developed software for or to automate, what would be another type of robot and the type of maybe monotonous task that it would perform so that people don't have to do it? Yeah, we have a robot that does trenching. And so anytime you want to put buried infrastructure, this could be data centers, water, it could be gas and electric, it could be sort of anything that requires underground utilities. You could you need to build a trench. So we have a robot, it's an excavator. Again, we're leveraging the excavator. We put an upgrade on it, and then they can kind of dig these long, long, long stretches of land into trenches. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of smiles of trench over time. And that's really helpful. I mean, when you think about a trench in pretty remote parts of the world, and sending a robot out there helps with that task. Oh, I'm sure. I know it would be different with every piece of equipment, but what would be, in terms of productivity, and feel free to take one or two as an example, like how much faster, or I'm thinking in terms of weather conditions or hours of the day or night, how does it spell efficiency to go with a robotic solution? 
Yeah, it can vary depending on what you're measuring for efficiency. I mean, we typically can see anywhere from three to five times productivity gains with some of our robots. Other robots of ours don't necessarily work faster than human. A human, a skilled operator really focused on the task is quite an incredible sight. They're, they're kind of unstoppable and the robots can't compete with that. But where robots usually win out is they can stay consistently operating. So we need breaks, we need mental breaks, we need physical breaks. With a robot, maybe sometimes a little less productive at the outset but it can maintain consistent and very precise movements for unlimited time. That's awesome. I think there was another one in this uh, that we had talked about, or maybe I had talked with McCarthy about tying rebar, or I'm not sure if that's right. It was just like a super repetitive, monotonous task that on a heavy highway or in a building that someone, if you have limited workforce, you'd rather delegate that to a robot. Is that another example yeah, I believe that's Tybot and it's- uh, Tybot, that was it, yeah. I think it's on a number of projects, bridges, road work. And as you know, the civil engineers of America say our roads and bridges are in pretty bad shape. So we need these kinds of solutions out there fixing our critical infrastructure. I mean, our commerce depends on it. So Tybot's on one. There's drywall robots. Dusty Robotics does a lot of site planning. So we can actually draw on the ground, the blueprint. And we're seeing a lot of, basically, as robotics companies, we kind of look at tasks that are both feasible for the technology and then also valuable for the customer. And then we work our way into the job site that way. So we're looking for tasks that robots can handle today and then that really improve productivity. That's wild. You know, my only experience directly with a robot is at certain grocery stores. It's a little eerie. Well, I'll see like a sort of inventory robot, I think is what it is, going kind of meandering up and down the aisles. And I wondered, depending on, I know you do a lot with excavation and other equipment, but in terms of the size and the form of these, is it, would they be readily noticeable on the job site or are they a little complex so they're not kind of interfering with the logistics of what's happening with humans? Yeah, for some of these purpose-built robots, they have different form factors and they try and keep a low footprint. Our robots, we actually build a upgrade kit called an exosystem. This goes on an existing piece of heavy equipment. So for typically for the end user on a job site, they may not notice the machine is robotic from first glance. I mean, they'll have an exosystem on the tail of the machine, but otherwise it's your typical excavator or don't your CTL in the past. But yeah, that's, that's always one of those big, at least for a built robotics, it's interesting since we upgrade existing the equipment, our machinery doesn't often scream robot. Does it look like some sci-fi thing? It looks like something you're familiar with, but now it's autonomous. Okay, very good. And explain for us, mainly for me, but probably for some of our listeners too, when we're talking about robotics, is there semi-autonomous and autonomous? And does built robotics provide software for both? I guess maybe define those two within the context of construction. So the construction industry has leaned a lot on the automotive industry's definition of autonomy. And depending on the standard, is about five or six levels on how you count. And so these start from zero autonomy. So a person driving a car, and then we go to fully autonomous where no human needs any input. Our technology is designed to be sort of on that fully autonomous end. We are not fully, we're at the highest level, we're, you know, one or two steps below where a human needs to start the task and intervene when the robot has difficulty, but otherwise the robot runs fully autonomously by itself without human intervention. But thing is, if you're working in the construction industry, you can derive value from any of those levels. I mean, Sure, full autonomy is great, but a semi-autonomous system like grid control on the machine is incredibly helpful. It's about using what you have, finding the best tools, and if they're semi-autonomous or fully autonomous, it's sort of both are very valuable. 
Wow. You know, as you were saying this, I wondered about all the agencies, mainly I'm thinking about OSHA, the Occupation Safety and Health Administration, but just how they regulate construction. And I wondered, is OSHA sort of on board with robotics? I mean, I wondered how, obviously, I would think inherently it would be making things safer, but I wondered how, you know, sort of where the intersection of regulation meets technology and how that's shaking out when it comes to robotics. Yeah, standards bodies in the U.S. and abroad are very interested and engaged in autonomy on the job site. So it's definitely an area they're they're trying to stay up to pace with and kind of develop some common sense standards that help the industry work most effectively and most safely. Right now, there aren't any full specifications or guidelines or rules around autonomous use in the off-road sense. On-road and at highways and roads has a lot more regulation, but off-road has been an ongoing dialogue with standards bodies. And, and so we sort of lean on our own expertise and our own desire to create a safe system. So we develop our own safety rules and regulations that we try and use that that make sense and keep people safe. We have a sort of an eight-layer safety system that built robotics for safe operation. And we work with standards bodies as well to help figure out the best way to make these robots safe and usable. That's great. I wondered about cost. Certainly, it's got to be tough between drones and robotics and all kinds of tech investments for construction companies, depending on, I would think the larger ones have a broader capacity to invest in these. But what would you say to companies listening that maybe are, they're seeing their competitors using robotics and thinking that they need to get started? Where should they get started or how should they kind of look at it from an operational and budget standpoint? Yeah, awesome question. How do we, cool stuff, but how do we get the robots on my job site? I think right. we approach sort of rental lease model, a usage model, similar to a lot of SaaS companies, a lot, a lot of software companies. And this model allows you to have really low or no capital upfront costs and sort of lease the software and, and rent it. And then you can kind of pay what you use. This also allows you to not really invest in owning the technology because one thing you should look out for is robotic technology, like all high tech stuff is constantly evolving, constantly changing. And we made a decision not to put that burden on our customers and have them buy something that maybe in a year is out of date. So they lease the software and we keep it up to date with the latest sensors and processors and data. So the, the tool is always the best and you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to invest in machinery or equipment that would be obsolete in a few years. Like things are just moving too fast. So we like that model. Each company has their own way of doing it. Some of them you do buy the equipment outright, some of it you rent. But overall, I think we are moving as an industry towards service models, equipment as a service, robotics as a service. And it makes a lot of sense. I mean, even if you're a big company and you have fleets, when it comes to new technology, it's a good time for flexibility, you know, short-term contracts, easy deployments, low upfront costs. And then that way you could kind of test it out. And if it works great, you ramp it up. But if not, there's not a lot of the costs to put in. That's great because it seems like that's an entry point then for smaller companies and it's not just big boys that can afford to dip their toe in the water. Where do you see, so you have to ask the crystal ball question, especially on this topic today, but even 24 to 36 months from now, do you predict kind of, I don't want you to give away your secrets as far as your development, but what tasks aren't currently automated that may be specific to construction that may become automated and we can give our project team something to look forward to? Yeah, absolutely. A good crystal ball would be mining and agriculture. They're usually a few years ahead in terms of automation from construction. You could see how they started with the really basic, simple tasks, automating those, they moved on to bigger and bigger ones. For construction, it's been interesting. What I've seen is a lot of the robots that are deployed today, like Kaibot and drywall robots and site plans, they're sort of finding really unique and interesting parts of the construction process and automating them instead of sort of trying to take on oh, the entire process. I think we'll see 
see more of that. We'll see more tailored tools that are specific for applications that make the most sense based on labor and difficulty sense. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. I wondered what else people least like to do or trades least like to perform, or which you brought up an excellent point with the trenching. That's certainly been a number one source of fatalities, according to OSHA, is trenching. So what a wonderful way to integrate technology into the most riskiest accident-prone part of a job. And with trenching, you know, it is, I've seen the reports, they're starting task force are really looking into trench deaths that are on these rise, unfortunately. And I think with the need for barrier infrastructure, with with an unpredictable climate situation we have these days, trenching is becoming more and more popular for general, for electric lines, for water, for oil and gas, just to get everything safely on the ground. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of neat to think about robotics and the advances in drones. I was doing an interview with someone on drone technology and they were saying, you know, now we don't have to send somebody physically, a man or woman, up onto a building, onto a roof to see if it's structurally sound. They just send the drone. And I was thinking there seems like there's some cool parallels between that and the autonomous technology because you're not sending a person into harm's way. Drones are super cool. Yeah, the cameras have gotten really good. The machine learning to read these images and see what does a crack mean to a computer have gotten really good. AI is having a part of that too. And you're right, we know. Instead of sending someone to scale a bridge to inspect concrete cracks, you can send a drone to at least do the first pass. I think there's still a huge role for humans in all of these jobs. It's just that what if we could send machines out to be the first look, the first pass to get the first work done and then in there? When will we send a human out there? And it helps us build faster and faster, which just grows the entire industry. That's awesome. Well, I could talk to you all day about this, and I know our listeners would probably have questions of their own, so they can, they can uh, everybody, you can get a hold of Errol Ahmed, at Director of Communications at Built Robotics, with all your questions. <laughs> and I'm sure he'd love to answer them for you, but Errol, we just really appreciate you being on Build America today, and I know that we'd love to talk to you again sometime soon as you continue to program more advancements in all this autonomous innovation. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. I love talking about it. So it's an exciting time to be constructed. Oh, I bet. Hey, thank you so much. And we'll look forward to learning from you again soon. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Hello, my name is Anthony Thompson. I'm the CEO of the Kwame Building Group. You're listening to one of the greatest new podcasts in the city of St. Louis, Building Project Diversity. Please tune in and learn a few things about how you can improve diversity and delivery of your projects in the city of St. Louis.